Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you we can gather together as your family this morning. And Lord, as we break open your word, we acknowledge that it is a lamp to our feet, it's a light to our path, but also it's a plumb line. And Lord, we measure ourselves by your word. And so God, we just invite your Holy Spirit just to speak to us this morning and to sow your seeds into our lives that so they would grow and produce an awesomely great harvest. Have your way in us and have your way through us. We just pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, over the last few weeks especially, there's been a just a growing sense of the presence and the power of God in our lives and in our services, and, and that's really great. And we want more of that. Amen? We, we, we really do. But for me, there's also been a growing call of the heartbeat of God that we are not just here to be blessed, but God blesses us so that we can be a blessing. Uh, first, we have been created to know Jesus. That's the, that's the bottom line. And, and this week, by the way, we, uh, we baptised uh, two new Christians, uh, Rodney Edge. Do you want to stand up, Rodney? Yeah, give him a clap. And uh, absolutely fantastic. And Jaleesa Niho. Uh, I don't think Jaleesa's here with us this morning. But um, two, two brand new Christians. In fact, I've got to tell you, I had, a, I had a phone call from Jaleesa about five weeks ago. Never, never, heard, never heard of her before. She rang up. She said, oh, have you got an Alpha program going? And uh, I said, yeah, and uh, just give us your details and I'll, I'll send you the details of it. And she said, I want, to bring, um, I want to come with my four kids. And my first thought was, hello, uh, they just want to come for the fantastic Alpha supper that we put on. And by the way, that happens. Uh, and, uh, and I thought, oh, well, if they want to come just for the food, that's great. Uh, so I sent Russell around to check, check her out <laughs> just to see what was going on. And he came back and said, no, 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 she's genuine. She's, she's, really, she's searching for God. And so anyway, um, cut a long story short, she's given her life to the Lord her four kids are giving their life to the Lord. Uh, they, she's bringing three others to Alpha. We had baptismal service. Uh, her unsaved friends and family were there. Uh, going great. You know that God is moving by the power of his Holy Spirit when non-church, non-Christian peoples ring you up. In fact, one of the first things she said was, am I allowed to come to church? Keep praying. Keep praying. We've been created to know Jesus. All of us were lost. All of us did what we felt like doing, leaving God out of our lives. Isn't that true? But God in his amazing love and mercy, despite us, called us to himself and saved us. He saved us to give us abundant life. He saved us to know him, but also he saved us for a purpose. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, God speaking, I know the plans that I've got for you. He's got plans for us. 
We are called to know Him and grow to become like Him, but also we're created and called and empowered to make Him known and make a difference in our world. In Genesis chapter 12, we hear God speaking to Abraham. And He says to Abraham, I'm going to bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. That's our heritage. God wants to bless us so that all the peoples of the earth can be blessed through us. And then Jesus said in Matthew 28, some of the last words that he spoke. He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very ends of the age. And then again, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, verse which we've read Every few weeks for the last few months, he says, Jesus talking to the disciples says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. <laughs> you'll receive power. <laughs> Doesn't matter how big you are, Joe. <laughs> if you want to receive power, it's got to be the Holy Spirit. And the reason why, he goes on, he says, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So we would translate that in our terms here. Uh, we'll be his witnesses in Whangarei, in Northland, in New Zealand, and to the ends of the earth. You know, as I looked at many of the influences, many of the ones who made a difference. In the Bible, there was only one thing they had it in common. It wasn't their age. Noah was old. David was young. It wasn't their education. Peter was unlearned. Paul was highly educated. It wasn't their gender. God used both men and women. It wasn't their background because people of every walk of life were used by God to make a difference. Some were orphans like Esther. Some were from loving families. Some were from dysfunctional families like Joseph. Each one of these people, though, trusted God and served God. And it doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor, whether you're a pauper or a king. If you say yes to Jesus and his plans for your life, he will empower you and make a difference through you in this world. God's plans for us are always bigger than ourselves. His dreams for us are absolutely impossible dreams. They can't be fulfilled through our natural talents. They can't be fulfilled without his help. John 14, 12, Jesus talking to his disciples says, I tell you, all who have faith in me will do the works that I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Sometimes we read these verses and they just go straight over our heads. We don't stop and think that Jesus is actually talking to us. And he's saying, you know, all the things that I did, you're going to do greater things than these if you just believe in me. <clears throat> Nestled in between Isaiah chapter 60, which says, Arise, shine. For your light has come. And Isaiah 61, which says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, 
If you just go back a verse, there's a little verse there which is incredibly powerful. It says this, Isaiah 60, verse 22. It says, A little one shall become a thousand, and a small one a strong nation. I, the Lord, will hasten it in its time. We are in the time when little ones can become a thousand and small ones can become nations. I heard a great missions theologist say some time ago that lesser men and women can do greater things in a greater time than greater men and woman. And he was talking about the Smiths, Wigglesworths, the Amy McPhersons, uh, the great evangelists of their day. But basically what he was saying was, in this time, we are living in a greater time, so lesser people, in a sense, can do more. When I read those verses, I know that the least of us have the potential to be multiplied and become a thousand and the smallest a mighty nation when God moves through us. The least educated, the least good-looking, the least financial, the least likely to succeed in the world's eyes with God has the potential to become a thousand. The one in our midst with the worst background, the hardest upbringing, the one in the natural who doesn't seem to have a hope, with God has all the hope in the world. Isaiah 61 says, those that are poor, those that are brokenhearted, those that are captives, those that are prisoners, those that are in despair can become healed. And those people, it says, will be the people that God uses to change cities. But I also know that Unbelief has the ability to rob you and crush your potential. If you don't believe in what God says about you, most often you'll end up having a poor self-image because all of us have got problems. All of us have got issues. All of us have had heartaches. We need to believe God's word and what God says about us, and what God wants to do through us. And we need to begin to trust God and ask Him for dreams and visions and the plans and the purposes that God has for each and every one of our lives. In 2006, as the... Overseas Ministries Director of the Assemblies of God in New Zealand, I, I visited a number of our missionaries in Southeast Asia's, Asia. I visited Patricia Green in the middle of the red light district of Bangkok, right in the middle of the little road which is no bigger than Vine Street, which has more prostitutes probably than any other place in the world per, per square metre. Right in the middle of that, this woman had set up a hairdressing salon and she would do the hair and the makeup for the prostitutes at the beginning of their night. And she would do that to befriend them. And you know, through her ministry, she saw hundreds of girls 
freed from prostitution just because she loved on them, just because she prayed on them, just because she befriended these ones. Also, in that same trip, I met with an Indonesian man called Sam Sakata. And uh, we were at a place called Mount Hope, which is in West Kalimantan. And he told me his story. Uh, Sam was from a poor village in Indonesia. And Indonesia is the largest Muslim, Muslim nation in the world. He got saved when missionaries came through and began witnessing in the village. He went to Bible college. And interestingly, he went to the Bible college, which was in Tawamangu in Java in Indonesia. And now he runs that Bible college and it is now a university. Okay. But in 1998, Sam visited Borneo and was absolutely moved by the poor living conditions, the hopelessness, the lack of education and opportunities for the two and a half million animistic Dayak people in the area. He was burdened by the fact that even when the villagers did want to send their, their kids to school, they had to send them to the nearest town. There was no facilities for them to sleep there, so they would get um, boarded by uh, Muslim families there. And invariably, they were taught all about Islam. So there's quite a cost to the education. Sam had a vision of a thriving community which included a children's homes, kindergarten, primary school, junior high, polytechnic, university, medical clinic, hospital, he had nothing more than a God-given dream. He had absolutely no money. But miraculously, he managed to secure a plot of jungle land and Mount Hope was born. Uh, when I visited eight years later, uh, that school was already the number one educational provider recognised by the government in the region. Absolutely, absolutely changing it. And I still remember the message that I preached on at one night when we were sending off a young man going across to Indonesia, a man who had um, come to the school when he was nine years old. He was now leaving it and going to do pre-med so he could become a doctor and go back and minister to his village. Just about all the kids who had come to the school got saved and they would go back to their villages and they would be listened to by the people there. So I've got a short video. Uh, have a look at this, guys. shows you a little bit about um, Mount Hope. Found on the island of Borneo, Mount Hope's nestled in the jungle area of West Kalimantan, 
the second poorest region of Indonesia. But it's so popular that uh, we only open for registration for about one hour, and that's all we can receive in the one hour. There is mercy that's who every morning it will never go away. All that we would always see, Father's love for you and me. Yeah. Hey, Jesus loves me. Hey, Jesus loves me. Hey, Jesus loves me. For a dream, eh? Absolutely fantastic. So they have they have about three hundred, they have about three hundred students. They've got one hundred and thirty beds, and as I said before, um, well, as you saw, Sam, um, Carol, they're saying they open up registrations for the school for an hour, and then it's filled. It's so popular, the number one provider. But all the kids get saved. All of them get saved. This is in a Muslim country. They're doing an absolutely amazing, amazing job. If you want to pray for them. Uh, Sam and Carol are at the end of their days in terms of the um, overall ministry at Mount Hope. Uh, they need a successor. And not just anybody, not just a pastor, teacher, not just an administrator. They need an apostolic figure because uh, that work has been built on, on vision. Okay? So they need someone strong uh, who has a vision for reaching Indonesia, basically. So... They can't do what they have been called to do unless we 
do what we can be we can do. So I personally have been supporting these guys uh, for probably going back well oh, 36, probably nearly 40 years. And uh, amazing, amazing ministry. This church has been supporting them for the 26, 27 years that I've been here. And so we have got an inheritance in the nations. And absolutely, absolutely fantastic what they're doing. Um, God is waiting to give us dreams. He's waiting to give us plans to multiply the blessing that he's given us so that we can reach Fongaray and Northland, New Zealand, and the ends of the earth. And I just love what we're doing with unlimited love days. Get in behind that. You've got a spare Saturday. Hey, why not volunteer some time just to blessing someone who can't bless themselves? Uh, we're all different, yet we can all play a part in reaching our communities. Uh, in Luke's gospel, we read about Matthew, the tax collector. Where's, we've got at least one tax collector here. Where is he? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We've got one tax collector here. Okay, so Matthew the, ta- <laughs> Matthew the tax collector, uh, he gets saved. He gets transformed by his new relationship with Jesus, and he just wants to tell his friends about it. The question is, how is he going to do it? He wasn't a theologian. He wasn't a great orator, so he just did what he did really well. You know what Matthew was good at doing? He was good at throwing parties. All right, so that's what he did. He threw a party, Luke 5, 29. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. So Matthew had a great heart. He had lots of friends that he knew needed to hear the transforming words of Jesus. So he just got them together. The Samaritan woman at the well did the same thing. She had an encounter with Jesus. She went into the town and said, come and see the man who told me everything about my life. Then there's the four men in Mark uh, chapter 2 who carried their sick friend to Jesus to get him healed. Problem was, Jesus was in the middle of a crowd in a house. Didn't let that stop them. They went up onto the roof, dug a hole in the roof and lowered him down. Man, that is commitment. Don't go cutting through people's roofs. All right, But the reality is each of them had a passion to reach their friends and their neighbours for Jesus, but they did it in their own particular ways, and every one of us is different. And God's given you gifts which will enable you to be a witness. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. Let your light shine. But also, every one of us can pray. Even the shyest of us can pray. We can pray on a regular basis for our friends and workmates. We can pray for the regions that God lays on our heart. We can pray for our missionaries who can't do what they need to do unless we do what we can do to support them. God answers our prayers. The challenge in life is to keep making God's priorities to reach the lost our priorities and develop a passion for fulfilling God's purposes. So how do you develop a passion for winning the lost, for missions, for the nations, for the kingdom of God, uh, for the church, meeting the needs of the poor, for kingdom plans, kingdom purposes. How do you get that transferred from a head knowledge of, I know I should be doing this stuff, to a heart knowledge where you're passionate about reaching out? How does it happen? Well, Jesus tells us in his Sermon on the Mount, 
He says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, it says, Don't store up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasurers, there your heart will be also. And this applies to every area of our life. Where your treasurers, that's where your heart will be. Wherever you store your treasure, that's where your heart and your passion is going to go. So when I walk through the slums of Kibera in Nairobi, which is the largest slum in the world, Went there with Martin Briley. Martin, what year was that? Any idea? Long time ago. 2007. Yep, okay, somewhere around about there. When we went there and we saw young people growing up with no choices, that's poverty. It moved me. When I heard about the gangs, the drug trade, the prostitution, the AIDS in the slum, it moved me. Most young women will have AIDS by the age of 18. No choices. When I saw the effects of the drought in Mozambique, of course I cried out to God and said, God, there's got to be an answer. When I hear the stories of families in Northland who have lost kids to suicide, it moves me to seek God for answers and what we can do to stem the tide. I'm passionate about missions, not just because I know there has to be people from every tribe and every tongue and every nation in heaven, because the Bible tells me that that's what's going to be. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus won't come again until the gospel has been preached in every tribe and every nation. Not just because I love Jesus and I know that he created and loves the nations of the world, but I have a passion for the nations because I've invested tens of thousands of my dollars and years of my life in helping to reach the nations for Jesus. My heart is for the nations because that's where a lot of my treasure is stored. So when I see the pictures of Mount Hope, when I do my research on the net, my heart goes out to them. Yes, I've invested my treasure in my marriage. You can't have a great marriage without investing your time, your talents and resources in it. You're going to reap what you sow. Same for your family. You've got to invest in your children especially time. If you pour all your time and talent and resources into your house, that's where your heart will be. Same with your business or your sport or your boat. If all my talent was wrapped up in my boat, that's where, that's where my heart would be. Jesus Christ loves the church. He spent all of his ministry time on earth training its first leaders. What about you? Where's your treasure? Where are you going to sow your time, your talents, and your resources? Are they in your kingdom or are they in God's kingdom? Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. Before COVID, 
Penny and I had the opportunity for many years to travel to Europe and to provide pastoral care and leadership support to Steiger missionaries. And we did that uh, paying our own way. Uh, We were fortunate we got given a gift uh, that paid for our last trip, but we were prepared to go because that's what we felt God was calling us to do. Uh, We've had David Pierce. How many can picture David Pierce with his dreadlocks? Yeah, he's, he's come and preached here every, every year for the last 21 years, nearly. The only thing that stopped us was, um, was COVID. Um, he started an organisation called Steiger. He started that out of his personal one-on-one evangelistic outreach in the red light district of Amsterdam. And uh, David is a great evangelist but more than that he saw the need to develop a team and so he built an organization together called Steiger which is now by the way uh, run by his um, his son and they've taken it to another level so Steiger now has more than a hundred missionaries ministering in Europe and South America especially reaching the global youth culture. Have a look at their video. Steiger grew out of passion to reach young people who would not walk into a church. What started out as a dynamic ministry reaching young people of Amsterdam has grown into a worldwide mission organization called to reach and disciple the global youth culture for Jesus. The global youth culture is the largest culture to ever exist. They're more connected, but never more alone. Always seeking pleasure, never satisfied. A worldwide suicide epidemic, sexually broken and confused, raised on pornography, taught there's no absolute truth, only preference. This global generation is overwhelmed with loneliness, anxiety, and depression. And they are not looking to the church for answers because they believe it to be irrelevant to their lives. Many are apathetic, cynical, and even hostile to the gospel. These are our friends, our sons, and our daughters. How do we communicate the gospel to these people who have such a negative view of God? How can we show them the love of Jesus in a language they'll understand? Steiger mobilizes followers of Jesus to reach young people who would not walk into a church. We are active in over 100 cities around the globe and bridge the gap between the church and the global youth culture by establishing Steiger City teams. A Steiger City team is a catalytic force for engaging secularized culture with four key objectives. One, we equip and unify the local church to effectively reach young people of their communities. Two, we raise up the next generation of Christian leaders and influencers. Three. We transform the culture by being relationally present and engaging in bold, creative evangelism in the secular scene. And four, we multiply the impact by fostering a culture of disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Thousands of lives are being transformed all over the world by the power of the gospel. Jesus said there is a great harvest and few workers. Will you join us as we bring the love of Jesus to the global youth culture? The 
those guys are absolutely fantastic, by the way. They are, I've never come across such a passionate group of young people who are absolutely dedicated to Jesus Christ and just want to take the gospel out no matter what the cost. Uh, they are passionate about prayer, absolutely passionate about prayer. And so they hold the same heart as what we do. And so it's really easy for us as a church to get involved and to support these ones. But if you are if you're, um, watching that and you're thinking, hey, that's absolutely amazing, that's fantastic, the next question is, well, what are you going to do about it? Because they can't do what they're called to do unless we do what we, we can do. And we can't all go. Um, I mean, Penny and I counted a real privilege to be able to go and minister to these guys. And even during COVID, um, we did marriage counselling with them. Um, we were in touch with David and Jody Pierce and were able to help them out through our prayers and through uh, wise advice and some situations that they were facing. And so David will ring me and uh, talk over situations. When a church rejects one of his sermons, <laughs> he, he said, hey, what do you think of the sermon, Don? Uh, uh, did I get it wrong? And I, I remember saying to him, nah, David, you're going to preach that at um, Church Unlimited and that would have been okay, but a conservative uh, Southern Baptist church in the United States, you need to tone it down a little bit and <laughs> make the truth in a form that they can receive it. And so we've had a great ongoing relationship, but it's a team effort. It's not just them on their lonesomes out there, but it's us connecting with them. God had a plan for salvation. He sacrificed and sent his only son to die for us. And we need to pray about God's plan for us. He has a kingdom plan for your time. He has a kingdom plan for your talents. He has a kingdom plan for your resources. You can make a difference. If you'll just seek him for initiatives and start storing your treasure in his kingdom. Romans 10 verse 13 says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one that they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? You may not be able to be able to go uh, across the world as a missionary. But all of us can have an inheritance in reaching the nations by serving as senders. When I did research work for New Zealand Dairy back in 1983 and 85, I actually had to go to places. I actually had to meet face-to-face -face with people all over the world, and it was really, really, really expensive. But today, through the net, we can go anywhere in the world in a moment. I can have Skype calls with any of our missionaries, and our missionaries are just... They just want to stay in touch. They want to know that people are praying for them. Uh, if you have a look on the board out there, you'll find there'll be email addresses for all of them that you can write to, you can pray for. As a family, you can make it a project. You can research the areas that they are working in. You can find out all the bits and pieces and you can pray. And prayer makes a huge, huge, huge difference. And you can give. Because when you sow your talents into these areas, 
Not only do you bless them, but you get blessed as well because that's, that's where your heart is going to be. We can partner with these ones to reach the nations. How can we be involved? Pray. Ask God for a vision for the nations. I love what the Catholic Church's greatest missionary, Francis Xavier, said. Uh, he said, give up your small ambitions and come change the world. I reckon that's, that's pretty good advice. We are supposed to be world changers. We are supposed to be history makers. We are supposed to be fulfillers of prophecy. But the first step is saying, God, here am I. Use me. What do you want me to do? Why don't you just bow your heads just for a moment? Why don't you ask God what your part in reaching the nations for Jesus Christ is? Let's just spend a few moments. Let's have the musos up here, um, please. Why don't you just spend a few minutes just asking God what your part is in reaching the nations. Every one of us is different. Not everyone's going to be able to do what I can do. But I won't be able to do what others can do. I remember after a trip to Mozambique, coming back and, and sharing about the needs of the, the nation. In fact, I think it was the, um, the trip that I had with, um, with Martin Briley. And I didn't ask for money. But in the next week, we had a farmer come up and uh, offered me a large sum of money to fix the water problems at Maisie Teller. We had another person came up and offered to help build a cashing up factory. As a result, this church, without asking for any money, gave $120,000 to build a cashing up factory in Mozambique that people would walk up to four hours to, to be employed. We changed the region. Because of that cashing up factory, three churches were planted. That's pretty good use of resources. That's lives for the kingdom. But what can you do? What can you do? Not everyone can go. But all of us can send. 
we can be informed, we can pray with wisdom and with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We can give, we can inspire others. First in Whangarei, then in Northland, then in New Zealand, then to the outermost parts of the world. Father, I thank you that we are such an awesomely blessed people. We can't express how much your love means to us. If we had not been saved, we wonder what our lives would be like. We know our eternity would be hell. But Jesus, before we even knew you, you died for us. And I thank you that, Lord, you've created each and every one of us in a special way. And You've given us time and you've given us talents and you've given us resources. And we don't want to waste these, but Lord, we want to sow them into places that will reap a harvest for your kingdom. Help us. Help us, Lord. To wisely and effectively so those things that you've placed into our hands. And we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Let me just add a footnote here. It's not, it's not just a matter of, uh, of giving time and talents and resources. It's a matter of giving effectively. Effectively. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your resources. Search out. Pray into. Don't just give out of an emotional stirring okay let it be word based but Holy Spirit led and then when God breathes on it it'll bear good fruit, do you know what I'm saying there, we've got the resources to be able to research all these things so be effective be effective in using your resources for God's kingdom plans and God's kingdom purposes